For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's two up top this evening, as you might be able to see on the screen and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we last spoke? Ed eight then, Ed eight, depressed, need therapy. So looking forward to this one tonight, mate, so that we can kind of air those frustrations and hopefully feel a little bit more positive at the end of it. Yeah, that's the plan. It's going to be a f- quite a frustrating episode, but fear not, because Ryan Madden's making his debut. Ryan, it's a pleasure to have you on the show tonight. How are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you for having me on. I'm as frustrated as Carl now. It's, it's getting worse every weekend, so there's a lot to say about us at the minute. It certainly is. Before we do all of that, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect Sunday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming You Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at COS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know. I'll get it sorted for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. And I guess if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, hit the notification button, all that nonsense. Whatever you need to do, make sure you keep in touch with the content on the YouTube channel. Right, let's get down to business. And that business is a second 3-0 collapse in as many weeks. And if the first was a blip, Carl, the second one is all the more concerning. Yeah, it's, you know, as you say, we came from the Palace game. And I guess the only thing is, you know, we went in a little bit more positive and, you know, the first half... We, we not much you could have moaned about at half time to be honest you know thought we went in probably slightly edged that but the second half is a major major concern of just how the performance level drops the way they did um you know it's been a problem that we've had all season isn't it you know and not just this season but you know seasons past we seem to have a good first half but then we just completely die in the second half um, and Nuno's going to have to find a, a rectification for that because if you come out and give a second half performance like that then most teams in this league are going to put you to the sword um, and yeah like you said come the end lucky not to have been five you know four or five could have even been worse and we, we need to we've got some major issues that we need to kind of rectify and sort out very quickly to be honest. Well, Ryan, as Cole's just alluded to, the second half seems to be the big issue here because you look at last Saturday, you look at Sunday just gone, that's six goals conceded after the break. So, for me, that says that Nuno is not doing his team talks or the other manager is doing his team talks a lot better. So, what do you think is, is the issue? I think it's Nuno. I don't think he, I don't think he can motivate them as well as we want to. I mean, you look at the Chelsea game as... World class as Angolo Kante is, is a holding midfielder. He shouldn't be able to change a game like that in the second half. Maybe if it was a Lukaku who was coming on or Havertz, even a Mason Mount, if he was coming into the game, yes, they could change the game slightly, pushing Chelsea forward. But for it to be Angolo Kante and for us to just die down in that second half like that, it's, it's as if they all get back into the changing room at the half-time whistle and this, that's it. There's no word spoken. They're all checking the Twitter, Instagram accounts. They're just waiting for the second half to start. And they've got no direction. Obviously, outfield captain, uh, second captain Kane isn't interested. So when you see your main man not interested, I don't think that helps the rest of the team. So <laughs> at the minute, we're just, we're just on a downward spiral very fast and it is not nice to watch. Well, Carl, if we can try and take any positive from Sunday's performance, it's that the first 45 minutes, you could say that we went toe-to-toe. You know, we gave them a fright, if that's the only positive we can pluck from it. But with that in mind, does Thomas Tuchel look at his team way up against Tottenham, if you include the subs as well, and think to himself, doesn't really matter the first half, my subs are going to win the game because I've got so much more in the locker. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it always helps, isn't it, when you've got the sort of talent they got on the bench and you can bring the sort of players that they're able to bring on. And, you know, if we look at our bench, you've got Hill and Oliver Skip that you can bring on that are the only real players that could have a, maybe a positive impact. Then that is a massive difference. And, and that obviously, you know, Chelsea obviously had the upper hand. And I think also Tuchel kind of knew, listen, they've come out of the blocks like on fire here, but... They've, have they really caused us that many problems to worry about? We've got them under control. They can't keep that going. And in the end, our quality and our talent will show through and, I've, and we'll pick them off. And unfortunately, that's what happened, wasn't it? You know, we just couldn't keep that going. And yes, it was a better performance the first half. But, you know, when you look at the chances, did we, you know, we weren't cutting them open at will and creating real full, full-blown clear-cut chances. Um so that you know, yes, it was better, and you couldn't fault the lineup. You know, we'd all been calling for a lot more positivity and a lot more attacking intent, and that was what he did. Um, but then I think you just get the fact that you've got one manager that kind of looked at that first half and thought, right, I need to make a change. Let's do something different. Let's shake this up a little bit. And then the other manager, again, you know, I don't want to say just sat on his hands, but. Again, you kind of wonder what's gone on at half time. Did he look to think, right, can I change this just so we catch him out again in the second half? It didn't happen. We don't really make that many changes. The performance levels drop. That's worrying. And in the end, Tuchel makes one change that changes the whole game. And we're sitting here now thinking, well, you know, we, we've come away, you know, what looked a positive first half, you're kind of clutching at straws to think, well, there's some positivity because I think at the end of the game, ultimately the performance and the way we were beat shows that we're a million miles off of, you know, even of them and even some of the other teams in and around that mix. Well, Ryan, this is the thing, isn't it? Because we're looking at any positive thing we can take from the game and, Really, it's like light sparring, isn't it? You know, we've kind of just worked with Chelsea, not really kind of bloody their nose in any sense. And even that kind of positive 45 minutes in the inverted commas counts for nothing because the second half was absolutely awful. As Holly's just alluded to by the comments here, an utter meltdown second half with a laughing emoji. Is it crying? I can't see my eyes, aren't that good? But you get the idea. I don't know if we're crying or laughing at the moment, but... You know, it is, it's, what does those four, first 45 minutes mean, the grand scheme of things? Nothing. And all we're looking at, really, the history will tell us, that's the second 3 in a week, sorry, second 3 in a defeat in as many weeks. And that's all that matters, really. There's no real positive to take. No, and it's two losses in London derbies as well, which is even harder to take. But the first, I think the only real big chance I can remember for us was when Sun went through and obviously Kepa came out and took the ball, went out for a corner. That's only, we were better on the ball. But again, when you watch it back, I mean, our first half, I was very happy because it's different. It was an attacking lineup, and Celso, Son, Kane, all in the same side. But when you watch it back, it's still a lot of sidewards and backwards passing and slow build-up. Obviously, Kane was pushed out to the left for that game, which, yeah, the, the tactics that he went with looked like they could have worked to charm with Sonny on Chargo Silva, obviously singling out their slowest defender, but he's still, he is still their best defender, even if he's at 36 years old. So it's, I think in the end, Nuno won the first half without us actually doing anything, but in the second half, it was an, just a one change from Tuchel was just a masterclass. He obviously watched us that first half, wasn't worried about the second half and coming back out to us because he's got a little player on the bench called Kante who can come on and just change the entire complexion of the game. We haven't got that player. If we had that player, that's the sort of thing we could have done against Palace at half-time, nil-nil. But we've just not spent well in the summer again and got the reinforcements we needed. So... If we go into half time nil nil with many teams, it's not it's not gonna end well in the second half, especially against the big boys. Well Ryan, I'll stay with you because we're on the topic of subs and it was apparent that we never really had a plan B, did we? We kind of had all our eggs on the pitch due to a positive options, injury and the like, you know, we kind of made as best we could. But do you get the feeling that because we didn't draw first blood in the first forty five minutes, that was the moment, the chance had gone because you always 
sort of felt that Chelsea had more in their locker and kind of we huffed and puffed in the first 45 minutes and as I said we kind of it was like sparring it's never really that kind of moment where you thought oh this is the one but even that it's kind of there was such little in the tank anyway that we just used all our reserves and from that point Chelsea steamrolled us yeah definitely I think to be honest even if we'd gone 1-0 up I don't think I would have been as confident because as the uh, past has shown us at the minute when we get a goal up that's it then we've got everyone behind the ball park the bus and let Chelsea attack us obviously the counter attack was really we've only, we only, I think we only really had Sonny with pace obviously Lucas weren't there Bergbein weren't there Delhi's not got the pace Kane's not got no pace so the counter attack that we usually go for wouldn't it was just Sun really to be honest so we can't really use that part of our game with just him up front so I, I think we went into the game I think Nuno went into please the fans obviously get a good reception at the start of the game with the lineup because we all wanted those type of players in but I just I don't I don't think there's any confidence in any player at the minute that we've got so as soon as Chelsea got the first Eds went down complete lack of desire like obviously the second goal was Lacelso who lost the ball and obviously that was it then I think it was what was it one pass into Kante and it well it was a lucky goal but where where is the actual passion to think right I've lost that ball let me get back even if you commit a foul at least you're showing the fans that you are actually bothered you've got the passion to win the ball back for the team and actually fight but there's just there's nothing there at the minute and that's our biggest problem well, Carl, if you look at Chelsea's lineup, no Edouard Mendy in between the sticks. And I think Tottenham would have at least thought to himself, there's a mistake in Kepa. And he wasn't his usual kind of chocolate wrist, but we were kind of at least making him work. And unfortunately, you know, it didn't quite go for, for us. I think there was one key moment for me was uh, Reguilon. Now, he gets the the break. Rudiger plays him just on side. And then you're sort of thinking, any other of our attacking players, Bergvine, Lucas, Son... There's either at least a killer pass or a proper shot on goal. Unfortunately, with our left back, neither of those come about. Yeah, unfortunately, I think he got probably got himself caught in two minds. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I, I think there's a there's a player in Regulon. You know, I think as he develops and he gets older, he'll become a really good fullback. But at the moment, one thing that really does let him down is his distribution, final pass. Um, you know, and, and that's cost us in a few games recently. You know, where he gives the ball away in silly p positions, or you've got a great opportunity to kind of take one on and put a good ball in, and, and he doesn't get that final pass right. I think if he wasn't going to shoot, then he should have laid the Celso in a lot earlier. You know, and put the ball that the Celso could have then run onto it, but he delays. You know hasn't probably got the confidence to shoot um, and then ends up, you know, the, the move just fizzles out and you were thinking, well, this is a real good opportunity. And as you say, you know, if that's Son, Mora or Kane in that position, they're a lot more decisive and they probably make Kepa work. And then, like, as you say, if you make Kepa work, there's always that chance that there's a mistake in there. But again, as we say, although the first half performance was decent, we didn't make Kepper have to work. You know, the next opportunity is when Song goes through and he doesn't quite get his sort his feet out to be able to get more onto a shot. And again, it all just kind of fizzles out and, and, and slightly disappointing. But yeah, that, that was a real guilt edge opportunity and one that in those big games against those big sides, you've got to take them opportunities when they come because our, our main chance was getting that one goal up, you know, where you then think, right, we get a goal, now let's see what we can do and see how they respond. And unfortunately, I think as we all probably knew, the minute we conceded one, there was the fear that, you know, they were just going to open us up at will and the heads would drop and the game would just get away from us. And ultimately, you know, it turned out that, that that's what's happened in the second half. Well, Carl, you've been kind enough to put the stats on at the bottom of the screen for those listening from the podcast point of view. I'll read out the main one. On target, Tottenham, two shots across 90 minutes. That's not good enough, is it? 
No, definitely. And um, and ultimately, in the last couple of games, that's been the theme, isn't it? You know, one shot on target, two shots on target. And yeah, it, it's not good enough, you know, especially when we consider the sort of amount of shots that the opposition are having as well. Um, that, that's a very worrying stat at the moment, how many shots we've conceded um, as a team over these first five games. But yeah, we, we just really are toothless at the moment, aren't we? And, and just not creating enough chances. And we'll, we'll have a stat show up here, Dan, which I think kind of alludes to some of the problems we're facing. That If Son and Kane are not on fire, then we really are in trouble because, you know, you've got some stats there around the players that we're then looking to, to kind of come in and contribute outside of that. And those stats are really worrying. You know, Delhi Alley, 29 league games since Delhi scored from open play. One goal in 52 games for Bergvine. You know, 20 games since Lucas scored, 25 since Ndombele scored um, and 49 Premier League games since Lo scored. And that, unfortunately, is where we're, we're being let down because we just don't have the numbers coming from different positions. Well, this is it, Ryan, because we can talk about Harry Kane and we will talk about Harry Kane later in the show, but you need a supporting cast. You look at any other club with top six ideas, there's a spread of goals, isn't there? You know, Man City... Take your pick, even though they haven't got their big-name centre-forward this summer. I know they drew a blank against Southampton at the weekend, but usually doesn't matter. One of half a dozen players that gets a goal. Liverpool, there's always options. Manchester United, again, a gluttony of, uh, of talent on offer at the moment. Tottenham, Harry Kane. When Harry Kane's misfiring, it's no-one. And this really is a concern. We can wax lyrical about Enoch not getting their backup striker, but at the same time, the players in the squad have to do their bit, and they're not doing their bit at, at the same time also. Yeah, like I say, it's a mix of uh, blame on both ends. Like I say, in the summer, we was what? Danny Ings, Vlahovic, Vittorio Martinez. Many strikers we were linked with that we couldn't get in. But they, that if you can't get them plays in, then you've got to be able to trust the players that you've got there already. Obviously, de- like the stats that's just come up there, they are appalling for players of that level. For Delhi not to score in that much and Bergvine, like I say, one goal in 52 games for Bergvine. I mean, that's. And it's not as if he doesn't get the chances either, obviously, as you both would have seen yourself. He's had some huge chances in big games for us as well, especially that Liverpool one last season. But that's it. Kane not firing at the minute is a problem. Sonny's obviously just come back. I know he's got a couple of goals this season, but to just rely on two players to want to challenge for trophies, to challenge for Champions League places, but then to rely on two players, it's not... That's mid-table level sides. That's like a a Burnley with just Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes. That's who get their goals. It feels like we're on the same level as them, just waiting for their goals from Harry Kane. Like I say, if Kane doesn't get the goals, you know you're either going to lose the game or you'll have a nil-nil draw. Well, we've just got a new installation to the squad for tonight. It's another debutante. Hello, Mr. Bob Spur TV. How are you doing? Oh, great, mate. Um, yesterday, if we, oh, we've got to put yesterday's defeat to one side. I'm just happy to be on this stream for the first time. Absolutely honoured. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Unfortunately, we can't put yesterday's defeat to one side. That's exactly why you're here. So I'm going to need <laughs> oh, your... Sorry, See you later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to need your take on it because we're kind of skirting around the issue. Well, we've gone in deep. So let's not muck about. Bob, what was your take on yesterday? I think the theme is probably the same as what's been said, but I love your take. Um, right, for me... Understandably, there's a lot of people out there who got carried away with the first three wins. Um, there was, and rightly so, with Spurs fans. We clutch at straws, we're deluded. You know, we'll big it up when we need to big it up and it's the end of the world when it's uh, when there's a defeat. But, um, you know, the question was always asked, you know, or, or the point was always risen saying, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've are we won, but we're playing a bit negative. I go, well, well that's reflective, not reflective of the manager that we have. You know, you bring in a manager of that calibre, we, we are going to play uh, a, a, a Tuchel-esque or a, or a Klopp-esque kind of football. Um, so, for me, I don't understand the whole hullabaloo. I don't understand what the fans or some fans want 
it's obvious what the issue is. If we do the whole standing back and looking at the bigger picture and look at the bigger picture, it's not Nuno's fault. It's not. Uh, it's not Nuno's fault that he can't. He's not in the position where, or not in a position where he's not capable of making Tuchelesk and, and Klopp-esque decisions because he's ba- he, he, he's performing like a manager who's managed mediocre Premier League teams, and that's what he's. Uh, is, you know, that's who he is. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not Gill's fault. We're relying on a 19-year-old to come on and and change the game. It's not Ali's fault that he's having to play out of out of position. It's not Kane's fault that he's deluded with the club, disheartened with the club, and he wants to leave. It's not uh, Paratici's fault that we've got no depth. It's no. It's not the fans' fault that they currently just don't know where to look and how to feel about the club. Stand back. And look at the bigger picture. And we all know where the finger should... Well, I certainly know where the finger should be pointing. We were the second best team in Europe three years ago. Yeah, obviously it papered over a lot of cracks. But officially, we had the muscle power, we had the clout of being the second best team in Europe only three years ago. And look look at us now. We've never, ever built... Never mind a rebuild... I've seen a fucking rebuild for 20 years. We've never built. We've never, ever taken advantage of the fact we were constantly finishing top fours. The fact we had so many good players that we could have built on. You know? We were at our peak constantly challenging for, 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 the, for the Premier League. We were in the Champions League final. We finished second. Yeah, we didn't turn up, but that's officially on paper. We were the second best team. So why the hell is anyone surprised we're getting beaten three 0 by Chelsea? These three new three nil defeats, Dan, are going to come. They're going to be coming throughout the season, mate. Be prepared, because that's where we are. We've gone from a Conte to a Poch coming in um, to uh, 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 us welcoming Fonseca to us settling with Nuno. And surprise, surprise, Nuno is performing like a mediocre manager because that's who he is. That's not his fault. He shouldn't not if if our if our aspirations if our ambitions are higher than that he should never ever have been offered the job, but he is. He hit the lottery. He's not going to turn Spurs down. Why? Why, why would he? But him coming in is basically setting our our ambition. The un, the unambitious, un, un the lack of ambition from the club owners is seeping through, and it's seeped down all the way through to the to the staff, to the fans, to the players, to the manager. And we're just going to have to accept it. If you don't accept it, do something about it. Well, Carl, that's a very salient point that Bob has made. And even if you take away the Champions League runners-up and that papering over cracks of that season, you look at the high water mark of 2017. We were second that season, so we were the second best team in England. From then, we've been the third, fourth, sixth and seventh if we're not careful, that regression is going to keep going even further. You know, we might finish eighth this season and be further outside the pack. So we wax lyrical about Tottenham not improving from a position of strength. That position of strength was at its strongest five years ago. We're so far away from that team, it's going to take double the time, really, to get back to that point. And that's the worrying concern, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you say Bobby's right. You know, we was all told, weren't we, that reaching the Champions League was the turning point because then you can attract a different type of player. Well, we never we never went out and tried to attract that type of player to push us on. When we were finishing second in the league and, you know, we had that great side that we did, we were happy with, you know, people saying, well, yeah, but you can't bring anyone else in because, you know, we've got a great 11 now. So you can't have another creative midfielder in that side because you've got Ericsson. He's like, well, yeah, but Ericsson needs some competition um, because if you don't have competition, you just regress as a footballer. You know, all footballers will tell you they want to play with better players. Um, but we were just too scared to go out and do that or potentially, you know, the club had aspirations that, well, listen, we don't feel we need to go and spend money. We're just going to see how long we can ride this wave and and hopefully make as much money from that. Um, But like, as you say, in football, if you stand still, you are going backwards. Um, And we've stood still for so long now that, as you say, we've gone backwards to the point where we are now, which is where we have to look at competitions like the UEFA Conference League and think, well, we need to really go out and win this because, you know, this this could be something that hopefully maybe turns the club around. Um, 
And yes, we shouldn't accept where we are now because we had a chance to progress. And, you know, things like the new stadium and the new training ground were, were things that, well, when we get the new stadium, you'll see us push on. Well, we're not seeing us push on. And, you know, the managerial candidate mess in the summer tells you we're not ready to push on. And Conte turning the job down shows you again where we are because he obviously wanted to come in and say, well, listen, I want to win now. I don't want to win in four years' time by, while I wait for these 19-year-olds to develop. I want players to do it now. And the club said, sorry, that's not what we're all about. And he said, well, that's not what I'm about. So we're where we are with the manager we've got. You know, I've seen, well, you know, Dan, Nuno's not the manager I want. I wanted Potter. If we weren't going to get Conte, I wanted Potter because I like the football that I see Brighton playing. That's the sort of football that I'd love to see Spurs playing. Um, but we turned our nose up at him. You know, lots of supporters are turning their nose up. Oh, Potter, yeah, you want Potter. Look what he's doing with Brighton. Yeah, look what he's doing with Brighton because they've outplayed us three of the last four times I think we've played them. And look at where they are at the moment this season. He is obviously a manager with a plan that if you're not going to go and get one of the bigger names, then you may as well get a bloke that's possibly going to bring you some football and develop players. We've not gone that route. We've got Nuno. I'm not going to... You know, I do feel for him because there isn't the talent there and the quality, as we're saying, to get more out of this squad, I don't think. But I think he's part of the problem as well. Um, and I see that if we lose if we lose in the week to Wolves in the Cup and then potentially are on the wrong end of a result at the Emirates, I think things are going to turn pretty sour very quickly for Nuno. But who knows where the club go from there because you're not going to dislodge a manager who's doing well at his side just after the season started or midway through a season. So you could be again looking at half a season under someone like Ryan Mason. And again, we'll be back at the same place where we are, which is in transition and rebuilding again. No surprise. Well, Ryan, is part of the, I say problem, an issue at least, that Nuno's become upwardly mobile because you rarely see a manager leave or get sacked, whatever the terminology was coming out of Molyneux, to then get a job higher up the football hierarchy. Usually, you start working your way back down. So, are we becoming, or have we become, an average team with an average manager and all these expectations of top four, maybe even top six, are starting to become wishful thinking already? Yeah, very quickly, we've become an average. So, I think Nuno, with the names linked, I think he was, what, fifth? Sixth choice? Yeah, about that. I think, I think 424th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah like so that. obviously, like you say, like Bob said, we've gone for all these managers. Then we approach Nuno. He's not going to look at it and say, oh, I don't think Tottenham are the right fit for me. He's going to snap your hand off and think, oh, I can, I can yeah. go to a team now that's got Kane and Son and I can go there. But like you've said already, we Champions League runners-up. Premier League runners-up, semi-finals, finals. We've never capitalised on stuff like that because we all know the Premier League is the most popular league in the world. Players from around the world watch it, fans from around the world watch it, but the board have never taken the risk to spend that little bit more to bring play. Obviously, if you go for a high-name player and just say, look, We've just reached the Champions League final. We've just finished second in our league. We want to push on now. We want those trophies. We've got the stadium for it. We've got the training ground for it. We want the trophies for it. They've never taken that risk to actually spend that little bit more money, but reap the rewards that comes with spending that money. They've decided to leave it, keep going. Obviously, this summer, we've been stuck with our best player, desperate to leave all summer. Like I said, it took us four or five months to get Nuno actually in. The manager that they clearly didn't want, obviously, Nagelsmann, Rogers, Conte, Poch, all these names before him. And like like that's been said already, he has you can't really blame Nuno because he has no. the board have basically just thrown him into the lion's den and said, Look, fans are back now. You'll take the brunt of this. If we don't play well, if the football's not good, you will now take the heat for all of this because there will be boos. Obviously, I did see that there was some boos after the Wolves game, but if we lose to Arsenal at the weekend, the first game back at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium will be it'll be horrible for a manager. Absolutely horrible. But 
that that booing and that anger should be aimed straight at Daniel Levy because he's the he is in my eyes the main reason that we have gone so far backwards. We we took twenty steps in front with Pochettino, never capitalised on it, and we've just gone 40, 50 steps straight back. Well, Bob, he never knew what he had done. That's the thing about you know when Poch came. First of all. Big up on Ryan trying to get a, a sponsor from Febreze with that blatant bottle right behind <laughs> <you>. uh, <laughs> You've got to make money somewhere. <laughs> Product placement. I get it, yeah. You smell so good. Um, but no, we, we, but, but Dan, what, what it is, Levy, he got lucky with Poch because Poch not only improved the football team, he he changed the, the he, he totally changed the culture of the club, the fans starting to believe, you know, before Poch, when did we start? Obviously, Harry Redknapp changed it a bit, but when did we think we're going to go for the title this season? Now, under Poch, we were thinking, are we going to finish fourth, third, second or first, first this season? Now we're looking, what's the lowest position we can qualify for the Conference League? That's where we've gone gone from too. He changed everything, the mindset of the players, the mindset of the, of the fans, the the. The, the club as a whole, there was a, such a positive energy, and Levy got Levy got lucky with him. But instead of doing, and I'm not saying we spend Man United money, but when Fergie was at the top with his play with his team, he always never failed to bring one player, at least two players in, or one player that I just you know give, give the give the team a bit of a refresh. You failed to do that. Well. We're in free seat and free windows without signing anyone. How does and you got the players sitting there going, you know what? We're great where we are, but we could do with a bit of help. I guarantee you. And I worked it out the other day as well. For the players that we brought in, you know, I'll never sit here and say he was a waste of money. He was a waste of money. He was a waste because that's all hindsight, isn't it? Dan? we never know how a player's going to turn out. Yeah. You know, it's, we we can't sit here and say, oh, and Dembele, what a waste of money because when he came in, we were all excited. But what I will say, for an extra. The worked out is about for an extra thirty-two million pounds, extra than what we spent on certain players, we could have brought in a Bruno Fernandez, a Dybala, a Skriniar, and a, a Grealish. These four players, by what we spent, an extra forty million combined, spread out over these four players, we could have had these four players in. And if you're telling me that by having these extra these four players in instead of other fours. Uh, Jack Clark's one of them, by the way. If you're telling me we wouldn't be in a better position right now, I'd well, ask questions. Well, it's, it almost tells its own story, Carl. But, you know, I'm no Enoch apologist, but we have spent money. But really, we spent money badly. Undumbele, Lo Celso, both played yesterday against Chelsea. Lo Celso was clearing one of our shots after two minutes. I mean, he's just not getting it, is he, for Tottenham? We've spoken about his issues with Covid before where he's just not quite read the room and got caught up in another mind. You think, well, what's going on in his head? So that aside, again, it's another square peg in a round hole, which we keep buying for Spurs. And I'm sort of thinking, what does he do? Now, he's not got the talent to build a midfield round him. He's not going to be your star midfielder. So what is he going to be for Tottenham? Because you play him out wide, he's anonymous, really. He hasn't quite got the strength and the goal to be part of a midfield two. I just don't see it. He can't be a Deli Alley type player. If he is, we've got too many of them. That goes back to the imbalance of midfield. Cole, can you please crack this conundrum, please? Yeah, I don't think you can with a sell so, can you? Because, like I say, you know, but Dan, there'll be plenty of people out there with avies of him who are telling you he's the yeah. biggest, best thing since sliced bread and he's a baller. Um, I don't know what they're watching. You know, it's not this LaSalle, so maybe there is another one out there that we've kind of been dumb for. Um but yeah, he, he's anonymous too often, isn't he? You know, it's nice, safe passes. He, he's another one of those players who seems more intent to try and win fans over with a bit of shit-housery by trying to poke someone in the eye where I just say, listen, I don't want you doing that, mate. Win me over by scoring goals, assisting goals, running games, winning us games. But he doesn't seem capable of that. I mean, he showed some glimpses of it when he first joined, didn't he? You know, there was a little spell where he was looking like, yeah, you know, this guy could could be the real deal and he was one of the first names on the team sheet but then an injury comes along and, and he's really regressed again 
I think this is make or break. It, it, you know, what we've got to learn to do as a club is not hold on to these players for forever in an age when it's worked, when it's obvious that it's not going to work out. You know, for me, if we don't see much more from the Celso by the end of this season, I think you should just cut your losses, move him on and look to move on and get someone else in that might have more of an impact. Because at the moment, I think he's another one of them players, as you say, Dan, our midfield has too many of that suddenly become passengers in games and don't have an effect and don't command the game. Um, Deli Ali at the moment, you know, we might get on to him lately, but I'm questioning what Deli Ali actually brings to the side at the moment. Um, but the Celso is another one. Um, and as you say, given the fact that they now, in theory, are the senior players in the squad that you're going to have to look to to kind of take your season forward, it is worrying because, like I say, that stat there, you know, one goal in 49 games that I showed, from a supposedly tack-minded midfielder, that just isn't good enough. And listen, this people will say, yeah, but he's still, he's still coming in to adapt. Football's not that much different where you've been playing it before to where you are now. He's been here long enough. We need to see some delivery from him because, for me, it's make-or-break season for the Celso. Well, Ryan, we'll mention Deli Ali now because not the greatest game and not the greatest defending for Chelsea's opener. A criminal lack of concentration more than anything else as Thiago Silva nips in and gets that opening goal. So where's the switch off? Where's the, the anticipation, shall we say? You know what? It is, it's horrible to see him like this now because, obviously, when we first got him, he was he, he had no fear in his game. He would go out there, he won't, he won't fear any team. He would put in the challengers, he would get in the box, he would get beyond Kane. But I don't know, I don't know what it is about him at the minute. It just doesn't the concentration levels aren't there, like we saw for the first goal for Chelsea, obviously lost Thiago for the goal. The the fight really isn't in him anymore. I mean, when he first came, God, the some of the tackles you'd put in it were Paul Skull's esque tackles just Nowhere near the ball, but it would lift the crowd up. With him just making a tackle like that, it would lift everyone when we need him because you see somebody with his fight and his energy and his passion for the club and to do well. Obviously, that got him his England call-up. He started well for England. But since then, it's like I said, it's just a completely different player, a different man that we've got at the minute. Usually, you... As a, obviously, as a player, you you expect him to mature, reach his peak and get better. And obviously, what I'd say two seasons in, we was probably all worried that a bigger team were going to come and take him off us. Like I say, the Man U's and the Real Madrid's that he was linked with. Whereas now, I think 80, 75, 80% of the fan base would probably drive him to Old Trafford now and say, look, you can have him now. He's not who he wants. And I can't see him coming back either I just don't see like I say I just don't see his passion for it anymore whether it's the club whether it's being with us that's dragged him down under Mourinho now Nuno but I just really can't see it at the minute I don't see him in a Man United shirt ever I think that ship is well sailed no. but yeah, Bob in terms of Deli Ali, do you think Jose Mourinho has broken him for good? The thing is Dan we all wanted um uh, Ali back fit, working hard and, and, and you know, come back and, and give us something. But I think, in my opinion right now, judging Ali the way he's playing, is it would be like judging Harry Kane playing at right back. It's not his game. We've not seen him play in that number 10. We've got a Harry Kane who's who, since Ali's been out, has, has progressed in his game. You've got the ideal guy to play those balls from from the middle of the park, over the top for a Deli Alley late run. What is renowned? We've seen Deli Alley getting a ball from over the top from a Dyer, from a couple of, from Ericsson, from a, the Lamellas of the world. We know that's his game. So for me, um, I've not I've not been one of uh, Ali's uh, biggest fans. Streams will, will show up upon wanting him out, but at least he's done his bit by showing a bit of grit, showing a bit of stamina. Running around should be part and parcel of a footballer's game anyway. But he's not even pay, playing in his position. Play him in that 10. Play him in that 10 just behind Kane and let's judge him then. Because right now, it's like, like I said, it's judging Harry Kane on his on a, on a performance at left back uh, or right back. Let's, let's put him where he is. Let's show what, uh, let him show us what, what he's got. Because even through friendlies, 
and even throughout the Premier League, he's not played in that advanced position where he made his name. And like I say, in Harry Kane, if anyone's going to find you a pass, I would say Harry Kane, Deli Alli just behind, making them deep runs with a Lucas or a Bergwijn and Sonny either side. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Put him, put him there. Put him there. Let's see what he does. Let's see what he can do in his old, familiar, best role where he's made his name. Because right now, he's not played that one minute. He shouldn't be, with all due respect, great tackles, but he shouldn't be in our, in our um, uh, box making a couple of tackles. We've got Skippy and um, Hoiberg to do that. Well, Carl, Bob mentions Harry Kane playing right back. Wasn't quite playing there, but once again, playing deep. <laughs> again, it's another blank. Now... I don't think it's fair to say his head's gone. I know that is always the kind of going to be the conjecture with every game that he goes without scoring because, oh, his head's in Manchester. He's not giving his all for the team. That's not a true statement because he was giving his all. Problem was, he's giving his all in the wrong areas of the pitch. Now, has this got to the point where he's not getting the service and thinking, do you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to do it myself. Kind of like when Wayne Rooney played for England and Manchester United. He's everywhere, but nowhere at the same time. and He's not quite as effective when you want him to be, you know, he's not in between the posts as a great striker should be. So, yes, he had a shot on goal yesterday, but there's no goal. And how big of a concern is this for you? Yeah, I mean, with, with Harry's ability, I'm not concerned because I think, you know, if we were playing attacking football and, and dominating teams, Harry would be scoring goals. You know, we saw that in his first game in the Europa Conference League. You know, we dominated them and he scores two goals. I, I think there's a mixture of things. I think, like as we say, the, the point about him dropping back, you know, I do think that is a case that, you know, it's like if you played at school and you was in a really bad side, you just think, right, listen, I need to go and get the ball here because it's only going to be me that kind of creates something or changes this game. And I think Harry's in that, you know, he's watching the game passing by up front. He knows that people are going, oh, look at him up there. He just ain't bothered. He ain't doing nothing. So he thinks, I need to go and try and get hold of this ball and see if I can create stuff. And we've seen it in games, you know, the one-touch pass for Lucas in midweek to go and score the goal. He had some great hold-up play yesterday. So I don't worry about his ability. I do think there is an issue in the fact that, you know, mentally I do think he's checked out. And I think some of that is down to the fact he probably feels aggrieved that he thinks Levy has probably stitched him up because there obviously was some form of agreement that he felt he had that he could go in the summer. Um, and obviously then you've got the fact that he's watching performances where he probably is sitting there saying, this sort of performance and these players are the reason I want to leave. And here I am again, still suffering and being a laughing stock at the end of 90 minutes against big teams and people will be afterwards, I'm going to be getting slaughtered on social media at the end of this game. And I think he probably has fought. I am normally the player that drags this club through. I'm actually tired of doing that right now. And I'm fed up of having to be the one that drags this club through. And the bloke who stitched me up wants me to drag this team through still. And I'm not prepared to do it anymore. Um, give me something I can feed off of because you know, it's all well and good saying, oh, yeah, you know, he's not getting in the positions, he doesn't look bothered. I wouldn't be bothered trying to chase older some of the balls that he gets given most weeks. You know, I think there's, like I say, there's greyhounds that wouldn't chase some of the stuff that he's got to try and get after. Um, I think, you know, it, it's it's obvious. He, he is just lost. He is lost mentally. He is checked out. But again, I still think he's professional enough that if we had talent behind him, and we're giving him, you know, supplying him the bullets, he'd still be scoring goals. And actually, because of his quality, I still make out he'll be our top scorer come the end of the season. And he'll probably be our top assister come the end of the season if he stays, because he's just got that much quality. He will deliver. He probably needs, you know, he probably needs a couple of more goals to get him going again in the league um, and get that confidence flowing. But... It's hard, you know, when people point their frustrations at Harry Kane, you're pointing it at the wrong man because you're pointing it at a bloke that's, you know, dragged this club through over the last few seasons. And without him doing some of the stuff he's done, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have even had the kind of mediocre success that we've had. The thing he's done as well, what, what, what he's done is he's allowed the, the fingers to be pointing at him. I don't agree with what Harry Kane did at the beginning of the season. I thought it was pretty shitty and I thought it was a bit childish. But I could understand why he did it. I could differentiate the two. I could disagree with Kane's um, uh, uh, reaction and, 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 and actions, but I can certainly see why he's done it and blame Levy for it. 
But by doing so, there will be the element of fan base who all, like Carl just said, point the finger at Harry Kane. We always had with Harry Kane, when he went through a bit of a lull previously, don't worry about it. He spurs through and through. He's committed to our club. Don't worry about it. Whereas now, by doing what he did earlier in the season, there will be that element of fan base who will say, you're not committed to us anymore. He can't fall back on that anymore. And unfortunately, it's his own doing. He hasn't got that fallback. People will question his commitment now purely because his actions are... And it's unfortunate, because I don't believe it is. I'm, I'm very much like Carl. He's disillusioned, he's disheartened. He's not sat there in the in the, uh, in, in the dressing room uh, before the season started thinking, yeah, Galini, yes, Hill, yes, Saar, that's it. We're going places. We're going places. No, of course not. So he is dis- a disillusioned and, and, and disheartened. But, what, like I said, unfortunately, because of his actions, rightly so, wrongly so, there will be that that fan base who will question his commitment now. Um, and that's uh, that's unfortunate. Well, Ryan, apart from a goal, obviously, what needs to change? Because we can't really change the personnel until January at the earliest. The ship has sailed in trying to get a backup striker or some more creativity. So you're looking at personnel that we can call upon. Is it a change of shape? Cole alluded to a 4-2... Sorry, it was Bob alluded to an old-school 4-2-3-1 that we had back in the Poch days. Is that Nuno's MO, though? So, you know, what can be done here? I I agree with Bob about the Delhi Alley, but obviously I'm not happy with Delhi at the minute and I wouldn't be bothered if he were to leave. But we're not scoring goals. We've only got the one man in Son who's willing to break forward and try and get those uh, Kane passes. Obviously, we know, we know how good Kane can be when he drops back, gets the ball and he looks up now. If he gets the ball and he's looked up and he's got six foot odd Deli Alley to aim for in the box, he's going to put it there every time. And nine times out of ten, Harry Kane will find Deli Alley in that box. So why not go back to what got us in the top four and challenging in the first place? Like you say, with uh, Son on the left, Kane up top, Deli just behind. As, as much as we know Kane's going to drop back, at least then you know that when he gets the ball, he's not having to go sidewards or back to Hoiberg. You can actually look up and see a Lucas, a Deli and a Son breaking into the opposition box, getting behind their defence and he can find them. I mean, Romero, I do like the look of Romero. I've, I've seen him quite a few times for Atalanta and Argentina. He will get a lot of bookings for us this season because he is, he is a dirty player and he will, will kick off quite a lot of strikers in this league. But I do like the look of him. But again... We're always questioning who do you partner with him? Dyer, Sanchez, Rodon. There's all there's all there is always a mistake in one of those three. Obviously, Rodon's still young. Mm. He he was a he was another one who's come in and been thrown straight to it because instead of Scriniar or Ruben Diaz, we went and got a kid from Swansea. So he's gonna have to deal with the pressure now as well. And there's <laughs> I think the only thing I can see Nuno actually doing is going back to his Wolves formation. That's all I can physically see him doing is three at the back, two wing-backs in Emerson and Regulon. And again, it'll be like his Wolves style of play, counter-attacks. But as, as shit as Adama Traore is in front of goal and putting the crosses in, we haven't got an Adama Traore who will pick the ball up. And I mean, Son is, Son is quick, don't get me wrong, but... When Adama gets it for Wolves, you can see the fear in defenders watching him run at them. When Son gets it, if you get if you've got two men around him because you're not worried about the midfield that we've got, he's not going to keep possession, is it? It's not. I can't. That's the only way I can see Nuno going now is a three at the back, counter attack football, Mourinho esque style, and that won't keep him his job for long. Well, Cole, we've got a comment from Premier Hotspur TV. He says that Kane has slowed our play down this season. Go back to the City game, he says. That front three, when Kane was not playing, was moving the ball very quickly. But as soon as Kane comes back, our play slows down. So what do you think on that? But surely that's quite sacrilegious to not play Kane. It's kind of, you're almost down if you do, down if you don't here. But what can you do? I think the biggest problem there with the Kane situation is given Kane's quality and his passing ability... You're never not going to play him while you've got him. And and ultimately, the reality is, yes, in that first game, Bergvine and that were looking dangerous. 
But can you trust Bergvine to play that way every week? Can you trust Lucas Moura to, to be as, as good as that every week? Because they are ultimately inconsistent players. You have spells where, yeah, they might have two or three games, like Moura might have two games where he scores and looks dangerous, but then he can go on a run of five or six games where you suddenly question if he's still on the pitch. And I think that ultimately was why Kane was always going to come back in, because you're sitting there going, well, this is a guy that is too good for us just to leave him rotting in the reserves or in the under-23s or leave him on the bench most weeks because he is a match winner and he'll win you games with his passing, let alone his goal scoring. So he was always going to come back in. I think we do need to say, you know, we do need to find a system that gets the best out of him, Son, Deli Ali, And we do have to say, listen, you need to stop dropping back as far as you are right now because when, when the midfield players look up, we need you to be one of those players they can look at and try and hit with a ball. Um, so I know you want to come back, but we need you to stay forward. And yes, you know, it would be get some confidence. Again, we'll be sitting there saying, well, you wouldn't have even, you wouldn't even dream of dropping Harry Kane for anyone in that side. Um, but it's not happening for us at the moment. But I would rather have Kane in the side than be putting my eggs in the Mora, Bergvine and player like that basket that they're going to come good. You know, yes, the City game was great. First game of the season, City a little bit disjointed. If you played that game next weekend, I think you'd find it would probably be a very different game. Um, and like I say, those players have proven over the period of time they're not consistent. And I, I wouldn't be sitting there feeling confident. I wouldn't have one of them over Harry Kane, um, in my opinion. But I think we do. I say it is a system that Nuno needs to change. But I think you've got a manager there whose first reaction, having, you know, having learnt from Jose, is to just be negative and be cautious ultimately. And he won't take the risks that he might need to take, which is surprising because coming in this season, he kind of had a bit of a free hit really to be attacking yeah. because that was what everyone wanted. We didn't want Nuno 2.0, Jose 2.0. We wanted an attacking manager. So Nuno really should have come in thinking, well, I'm going to be brave because... I can hear this is what these fans want. But I think you're seeing his natural instinct is to go cautious, a little bit defensive, a bit like he's been taught to do from the person he's learned his, his trade from. Um, and the fact that he's done it all his career so far with the clubs he's managed. You know, they've always been the underdog a lot of the times in games. And the underdog always goes a little bit cautious. But yeah, for me, Harry has to be in that side because if he... If he finds his range of passing with Son, Delhi, then there's not many defences that can cope with that. Yeah. Well, well, let's make a very quick case for the defence before I wrap up the show because there's something else I want to mention before we do. And, Bob, in terms of the defence, three games in, Darren Sanchez don't concede a goal. The next two, Darren Sanchez aren't the combination. We concede six. Now, is this a freak occurrence, albeit a small sample? Do you go back to that combination for the North London derby? Uh, yeah, I, th I think so. Uh, but the fact remains, he could have just made the one change against Palace rather than move Tange out wide uh, and, and try and bring Roden in, uh, change the position of the Tanganga and... and uh, no, sorry, move Tango inside and, and bring uh, Emerson. The fact is, he could have just kept everyone uh, there and just brought Roden in central defence instead of Sanchez. Um and yeah, the tried and tested has worked so far, isn't it, mate? We with with Sanchez and and, and Dyer, Romero, yeah, absolutely looked at really good yesterday. The fact that there has been a break, and since during that break, or what I mean, the break of partnerships, we have conceded goals. The confidence will be there. Sanchez and Dyer will be looking at each other, thinking we can keep, we can keep clean sheets. We have kept clean sheets, so we will put us back together, boss, and we'll, and we'll do it. I don't see a reason why. Even if Romero was fit and all the Argentinian palaver hadn't happened, for me, if we hadn't conceded any goals or we're looking solid in defence, defence Romero has to earn his position. Just because he costs fifty odd million doesn't give you the divine right to come into that defence. Sanchez and Dyer, we know there's a mistake coming. Of course we do. It might not come, but till then, what it'd do for the confidence if they were dropped for the sake of a fifty million pound defender. Just wouldn't sit right with me, especially when Nuno's trying to build the trust and build the uh, 
the relationships between players. For him to just say, I know you've done well, guys, but see you later. Romero's coming in. No, it's not good for him. It's not good for the players. So keep. So, so right now, Sanchez and Dyer are our number one partnership in, in centre back, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have really envisaged that, say, 12 months ago. But yeah, I know. at, at the time, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I know the circumstance has meant that Nuno has had to fix it, but that fix hasn't worked. So I think we should really revert to type. And if we concede against Arsenal, then you kind of have the right to say, well, that's not that's not working either. Now I've got a clean slate, but do you want to lose to Arsenal? That's the question we don't really want to see answered come next Monday. But <laughs> however, we need to end on a rather sadder note because we've lost Jimmy Greaves to upstairs. And Carl, I know we haven't ever seen him live in the flesh. I really wish I did. And what a player. I don't know what word you can say, but... You know, an absolute legend. And legend is used far too much in football, but he's a man who really, really earned that status. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? And, and you know, like you said, I I mean, I'm old, but I'm not old enough to have seen him play, you know, unfortunately. You know, I just have to, you know, talk to my dad. And my dad tells me that, listen, you know, this guy was special. And I think when you look at the numbers, for all the younger guys watching and listening, Think Messi, Ronaldo and Greaves was your first goat, if you like, you know, because he was putting the sort of numbers up that Ronaldo and Messi. So if you want some form of comparison, that's your comparison to look at and know how good he was. And, you know, when you see some of the goals he scored um, and everyone that talks about him just says about, you know, the guy just used to float across the pitch. And as you rightly said, Dan, you know, the word legend it is used far too often for players that don't deserve it. But Jimmy is the ultimate legend, you know, top goal scorer for the club. Um, and like I say, my, you know, my dad who's seen him has said that Kane is the closest he's seen to Greaves in all that time. You know, he said, but Greaves is still better. But Kane is the closest he's ever seen. But he still says Kane's still way short of how good Jimmy Greaves was. So if you think Kane is good, just imagine how good Jimmy must have been. Um, And unfortunately, it's a great loss for us and a sad day yesterday. But so fitting that it was Chelsea at White Hart Lane because, you know, that was where he started his career. Played played for them against us, scored a goal on that debut, um, as he would go on to do for every club he played for. Um, And it was just, in, in, in all honesty the greatest fixture you could possibly want for that occasion. Um, but he'll be missed. You know, I grew up with Saint and Greavesy as well. So mm. he was a massive part of my childhood. Um, but yeah, as you say, everything about that man was class, club legend and just a sad day in general, really. Absolutely. Bob, anything you'd like to add on that? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing when you think about, you know, who, who's when you think who scored the most goals ever in Europe, you're automatically going to think Messi and Ronaldo. But then you start thinking about who's third, and Gary Neville said, you know, it's Greaves. Greaves is third on that list, all-time yep. list. It just says about the calibre of the man. And, and for Bill Nick to say on his testimonial, leaving testimonial, to say in not so many words um, that he would have carried on, carried, he would have carried on managing if he had another Jimmy Greaves, says a lot about Jimmy Greaves and Bill Nick as well. And Ryan, any last words? Yeah, obviously I'm the same. I'm far too young to have unfortunately not seen him play but obviously he's grown up with English strikers such as Shearer and Kane and Rooney and Owen looking up to somebody like him and constantly hoping to reach the level that he set he set the level for the straight Gary Lineker's everyone like that he's he set the level for them to try and reach like I say obviously it's a very sad day for the club and his friends and his family so let's hope that the club can do something I've seen a lot of statue talk of Greaves mm. and Nicholson outside the stadium so 100%. let's hope they do something like that yeah that's an incredible shout and as you say from an England point of view he wasn't the record goal scorer but he was the benchmark when you look at his mm. ratio of goals phenomenal mm. and you know had injury not got in the way he should have been a 1966 World Cup winner he was just yeah. an incredible footballer. And I think, you know, it's a loss for Spurs. It's a huge loss for Spurs, but it's an even bigger loss for football. You know, we never saw him in the flesh, but even St. and Greavesy, just watching it as a kid, he just yeah. made football fun, didn't he? And I think that yeah. kind of love for the game on the Saturday lunchtime sparked all that passion for us of that generation. So, Jimmy, you will be missed. Um, and so. just God bless. So, yes, that's it for the end of the show. There's a quick bit of admin because we've got a competition. 
And we've got a hoodie to hand out. And the winner is Sean Geary. Congratulations, Sean. You are our winner. Sorry, Bob. Sorry, Bob. It's going to be a a scandal if you'd won. Coming in late winning a hoodie. Can't have that. So, uh, yes, congratulations to Sean. Cole, can you sort of sort out how that's going to be given over to Sean? I don't know the ins and outs. Yeah, if if Sean's watching and that, we'll try and reach out to him. So just give us a message and we'll sort out getting that hoodie over to him. Lovely stuff. Right, so that is the admin. I just need to thank my three PodScore members. Bob, thanks for making that debut. Hopefully you'll join us for the whole 60 next time instead of just dropping in late. Yeah, sorry about that. That's right, Well, yeah, we, unfortunately we don't pay the bills, so if you've got to work first, that's absolutely fine. That's but it, yeah. there's always a seat for you, and the same uh, courtesy to Ryan. A fantastic debut also. I hope you'd like to join us at some point again. Yes, definitely. Thank you for having me on. Hopefully in better circumstances next time. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Good luck with that. And Cole, thanks as always for, run, for running the channels tonight and wearing that Captain's armband. No, pleasure, Dan. And like I say, it's always good therapy. At least, you know, can feel a little bit better after you do one of these, don't you, the day after? Yes, you do. So hopefully next Monday's show will be a lot better when we uh, dissect the Arsenal. Of course, on Friday, we'll be looking ahead to the Arsenal. So we'll have another lunchtime preview. If someone wants to jump on, I think there might be a spare seat. So get in touch with myself or Cole for that. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And until next time... Come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.